Hello, I'm Karina Givalgazov, the founder of Mission Magazine. And if you don't know us already, we're the first fashion philanthropic media brand. Our aim is for fashion for beauty for good. That's our tagline. So my mission is a podcast which is co-hosted with my friend Charlene Spiteri, who is the singer-songwriter of the band Texas. Today we talk with a creative chameleon. She talks with us about some of her most challenging projects, like shipping a train to China. That was a show prop. She talks to us about her 10-year anniversary with this uber-cool luxury brand. We learn about her drive and determination. I love how she is often saying to her guys, guys, you're going to kill me. She's often saying that when sometimes changing her mind turns out to be a blessing in disguise. She's always looking for Christiana to do something. Our next guest on our podcast is LVMH Visual Image Director. Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. So Faye, Faye McLeod, I think is, am I right in saying your official title is LVMH Visual Image Director? Yeah. Which is, that is so cool. And, and I, I met Faye a long time ago when I was living in, well, I do live in New York, but you were living there as well. And I thought you'd be great to do a podcast with because people think in fashion that the industry is so glamorous and you just, everything happens just by clicking your fingers, but you have a very creative, but incredibly hard job to do many hours and lots of preparation um but I've, yeah I've known you over 10 years I think but I, I don't know kind of a bit of your background I thought that might be quite nice with your title and everything obviously a lot of it is from experience with different companies that you've worked with but what did you study was school something creative were you in the arts how did you morph into starting on this trajectory I grew up in Glasgow in the, a place called Oakopatrick, which is on your way up to Loch Lomond. And I went to a couple of schools. I went to Claybank High, and then I went to Bearsden Academy, which was the kind of the kind of poshers of posher of the two. I was just literally you took the words out. I was literally going posh, but then I was like, nah, I'm not even going to go there with her. <laughs> Because then she went, because I, I know that then you went on to, like, when, when you then studied, and I was I was literally going, she went to Cardonald College, so then I'm like, I've got no right to say posh because then you went to Cardonald, so that was fine. Exactly. I went to Cardonald and they, they had a fashion, well, basically because I was at school, and when I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be an air hostess, because that, I thought we all wanted that. <laughs> at the time, that's that was, like, the kind of, that's what, I don't know, what I aspired to be at that age. I thought it was dead glamorous and I would see the world. And then basically my art teacher called my mum and dad and said, you should try and kind of get her more into do something in the arts because she's got a talent. And so basically my mum secretly put my portfolio into Cardonald's and I went off to think I was going to go, I went to like Claybank College to see if I could do travel and tourism. And I- <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, this isn't for me. And then and then I went to Cardonald and did fashion design and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, and I kind of then I left Glasgow and I moved to Jersey in the Channel Islands. Wow. And uh, yeah, no, my boyfriend at the time, well, he actually is my boyfriend now. No way. Yeah. That's a lovely story, which I'd love to hear if we're allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the story. But basically, my boyfriend at the time, he was from the south side. Uh, I was west side. He was south side. And uh, and basically, he was going to Jersey. And so I followed. And uh, and then his auntie was doing the windows of this department store in Jersey. 
and uh, she was like, like, do you want a job? And so everyone else was getting jobs and shops and stuff. So I got a job of doing the windows of this department store called Degrushies, and I actually loved it. I'd do windows and I'd make things out of just whatever they had. And then I realised that a window space is something that is really democratic it's democratic like you can't control your audience absolutely and it's brilliant it reminded me like when you were growing up you could remember like going to lewis's department store and absolutely you know what i mean like you were up against the glass like look boy department and and hit fraser's was the most amazing store when i was growing up yep and arnett simpsons which are all gone i remember my grand taking me up and you would go and see the christmas windows and then you go into that little bit and they created this wonderland of you just couldn't believe there was things moving and looking at you i mean i just remember it being so magical even you know as as a, as an adult i still find windows like i mean my mum was a window dresser she started like was a window dresser my whole life so she was a window dresser for Richard Shops. So we, like when you were saying you were just getting stuff, we used to make stuff and my mum would come back for our windows. And I just think they're so important. I'm still obsessed with them to this. Oh, that's amazing. Because basically I used to I used to work in Nexton or Gale Street on a Saturday and I used to help the window dressing teams there. And every Saturday I'd be like, I'll help you. And I'd be like pinning and ironing and stuff. And then I'd go in and do the windows at Nixon or Gow Street and I'd think it was the the best job ever because you could just, you didn't never knew what was going to happen or when everybody was all chapping the glass, like going, ha <laughs> Funny the first time, about 10 times, you're not, it's not so funny. But yeah, I kind of grew up with that and I kind of, I went to Jersey and I just really liked doing windows. And then I split up with my boyfriend and I moved to London because I really wanted a career in it because I realised, I was actually quite good at it. So I got a job at Selfridges and I was doing Selfridges windows for a couple of years under this guy called Dorio Radici, who was this guy who basically, and I loved it because he was like such an amazing man because he took Selfridges and said, okay, think of it like a zoo and everybody comes to look at all the animals and the creatures in a zoo. That's what Selfridges was like. So we would create all these brands and they would all have their stories and it would there would be it be like an experience. He sounds like a great mentor, like someone that he sounds like he took you under his wing and really explained things to you and nurtured your talent. I mean, yeah, he was he's I actually just came up I I was listening to him today. He did a talk on that Vogue Conversations on Brick Water and it was really interesting. He's still as inspiring today as he was back then, so it's kinda it's great. He works with his heart, which is always a good thing. Well, you've got to be passionate. Yeah, I think you can always tell when someone does something for the right reasons because it shines through. And, you know, the people can smell dishonesty after a few minutes. They literally look at something and then they can see what the dishonesty is. So I think, yeah, you know, I mean, I have seen your windows many, many times. The stuff that you've created, is, as I know that um, Karina has as well. And, you know, even going to quite a lot of the, your LVMH uh events and seeing the stuff and you know the stuff you know I always look at it and it's so there's always such an amazing theme that continues and it's just so well executed and well done and beautiful and magical and and educational and all of the all of those things and and, and I think that's what you know makes you different from a lot of other people is that it does take you somewhere but it makes you think as well yeah because I think that's kind of what I think I bring to the table when I when we do windows. I think it's a space where not a lot of people realise 
like what it really is because for me it's like the billboards it's street theater you don't have to be a client or you don't have to be part of that brand to appreciate it you can you can like five like walking down the street and just be like oh my god it's an engagement and I think you can be a, a little bit more playful with windows because it is a space where you can create kind of magic and you can do things I don't know you can you, you can work with local artists and you can work with local artisans and I have a lot of fun in what what we do you also seem to have a lot of freedom as well like you seem to have just kind of whatever your creativity is or ideas that the house allows you to do it I mean it's outstanding the projects you've done I mean from the what was the one you did at Christmas before Christmas you had the massive massive it was the the starburst on you the starburst yes and and the scale of that is just phenomenal I mean that must be so exciting knowing you've got such an enormous luxury powerful brand behind you and saying there you go there's a blank canvas for your next creation off you go um yeah you know, to me, like there's not, it doesn't seem like you have restrictions that they, they support your creativity and, it, and you, you, they support your vision. No, it's, a, it's an amazing brand to work with. Like the depth of storytelling that's is just whenever you're creating the ideas, because our job is to be the storytellers, the visual storytellers, and to tap into the different parts of the brand that we can and what feels right. But a lot of what we do is about creating the storytelling for when I don't know you use your intuition as well like that that one feels right or that one that doesn't or whatever but it's definitely it's not it's not total freedom there's there's a lot of freedom and I think that's what's brilliant and when you're being a creative and having freedom enables the creativity to be I think greater in a way because you can have when you when you're not kind of confined by things, then the ideas can flow and explode, and then you take it and adjust it so it fits to whatever the needs are. If that makes sense. Yes, it totally does. For instance, when they were doing like when when you're doing deciding on a theme, will that theme carry on internationally, worldwide, um, within the windows, or do you look at the, the separate markets and decide, or even what people consume um, within the LVMH and go more towards what the consumer wants um, or do you do a whole theme that goes throughout all the stores? Well we try to kind of be as agile as we can because I think that's I think that's what, what we're really embracing is kind of the different cultures in the different countries um, different window spaces we have and being able to do like sometimes it's really great to do a window that's globally all over and then some it's really nice to do a really local window in London and and a, a local window in Seoul and Korea or where sometimes if we're doing we just did one for Seoul Korea where I did it with Frank Gehry and we I wanted to use inks because it was in Korea and inks and paper and wood so we we like made these amazing kind of crumpled and um, Frank Gehry kind of sculptured trees and um we explore a lot probably Google's our best friend in the studio constantly googling who's doing what and really looking at what what we can make how can you make something and what's the storytelling of it and where does it it relate to the storytelling of the product and a lot of the time we'll go into the archives a lot and because there's just so much storytelling from history and then we'll try and modernize it and kind of make it right for today how much influence would you have or it would you want influence or do you have influence for instance like when they were opening the new store in london 
would you speak with the architects and designers of size-wise what windows would be or what the dimensions or how it would run or something or would there that would there be a discussion from your end with that yeah, so we work we work really closely with the architecture department because you're in the windows. You work with a lot of different people from the business. So the architect team will will work with Peter Marino, and he's amazing. And um, so we sit down with Peter, and he'll tell us what the store, what hit the architecture feel of it, what the interior is, what art he's buying into. And for that one, he was like he he like used Jim Lambie. Love Jim. Yeah, he was. I met him that night because I was going to meet him because I love his work. He's fantastic, and he's just he's proper Glaswegian. Glaswegian. <laughs> he was so lovely. Yeah, so we kind of I sit down with Peter and we work out. He he shows me the windows and we look at the access and all of the logistics and that's kind of really in advance. And then when it comes to the creative that we put in the windows, we create all the ideas so think it's a bit like for every one window you see we might have presented three or four other ideas for one to get picked okay yeah so it so it kind of works like that and we do about 10 windows a year that are bespoke wow and then we also do special ones for like when london was opening or when seoul was opening or we kind of create for bespoke as well as doing these windows that go all over the, the world. There's a lot of windows. You say you plan. How far ahead is the rest of the year planned out then for the windows and the cities that you're going to go to? And I suppose you have to also be aware of your cultural and, and, and the surroundings. Are we talking, let's pretend 2020? We're pretending. Pretend 2020 is normal. Let's do 2021. Um, 2021, yes. Yeah, so basically that would be five windows a year. So that's network windows, which is 460 stores. And then there's 12 Maison stores, which are the 12 Maisons are like, you think about that, them like really, the really grand buildings that have got really high windows, really big facades. They're in really prime real estate and their windows are like billboards. So we'll do things there where we work much more to a fashion schedule. We like, we work months ahead there and then for the network windows we work work a year ahead because we ship by boat and that takes three months and there's a lot of logistics that go into it and a lot of getting everything um produced the right way so the network we work a year in advance and maison we work six months in advance What's the, what's the hardest thing you've when you say you've got these the, the grand facade it makes me think of the Fifth Avenue store which is such a massive massive prominent space and, and great billboard there what's what's the hardest window you've had to do the hardest concept or challenging I should say the hardest challenge I would say was the Sun on Vendome oh wow yeah that was gorgeous absolutely it's so cool that was like a challenge because basically. We didn't know what to do. We'd worked out with Peter Marino what we wanted Vandome and Vandome's the most beautiful building ever. It's like it's like a castle or something in the middle of Paris. And so we basically were researching Louis XIV and the Sun King and everything. And then um, we started having fun with the Sun King. And then we ended up July 29th, it was a completely different concept. And then I kind of came back. I met the CEO and I was like, it just doesn't feel right. The creative we've chosen doesn't feel right. And then we came back and I said, this is kind of a bit out there. What do you think? And he was like, go for it. So our CEOs really gets behind you. Faye, do you collect anything on your travels? Like, is it always, is there things that you collect? Like, is your house loads of bits in it? And do you collect in sets? Do you buy in sets? 
like I would love to be a minimalist in my head. I, I think I'm a minimalist, but I'm a maximalist. <laughs> and literally, I know I'm like my mother. I was going to say your mum had a vintage shop in Glasgow. Yeah, my mum and dad actually, um, they're really good friends with Brenda and Alistair, Ali Macarlins. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my mum, like, we grew up in, like, my mum and my mum's from Yoker, and my dad's mm-hmm. from Lornock. And basically, my mum, we travelled a lot when I was a kid. We lived in, my dad worked with John Brown's engineering. And so basically, we lived in Jamaica and Southwest Africa. And although we just went like Saudi, Doha, like, so up until the age of five, we travelled. And it's funny, like now, when, when I ever speak to my mum and dad, they're like, when I'm doing windows and I'm doing ostrich windows or I've done crystal windows or I've done elephant windows my mum and dad can reference all of it from my childhood which is really nice like, um, I used to collect ostrich eggs when we lived in South Africa I've always had a bit I've always been a bit of a magpie and I spend quite a lot of time in flea markets and down Goborn Road or Portobello or wherever I go I'll find a flea market or I'll find a really in- interesting cabinet of curiosity store or something or an amazing flower shop or bookstores I'm always kind of looking for the unusual because I've got quite a curious mindset and I so I'm always trying to work out what's the next idea or maybe I'll keep I'll buy something and I'll keep it and I'll just with it and then I'll bring it out when when the time's right yeah that's that's I thought I thought that may be the case because I thought she's got to be a collector she's got to be some like just just collects things and puts them away and then uses them at some point in your life whether it's a reference or to show someone where what they're going down or whatever but I just really felt that 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 would probably be the case you spoke about in the past about working your dream would be to work with NASA what would that entail and you know what's have you had is, is it an obsession with space and time or I think I've always had a thing for space and I'm quite kind of in energies and I'm a bit cosmic um so I'm always re- I'm really into like I'm, I mean I collect crystals and I'm just interested in the world and the planet and the solar systems yeah I really I mean I think it's an amazing it's an amazing planet we live on and yeah I'd love to work with NASA on a project of some sort I did a window last year when it was we took images of planets and put them in the window and then put these pendulums in front of them and had them all kind of like um signifying time and it was kind of casting this light over the planet that was swinging so that was kind of like a good little taster but and I seem to collect planets I know I've got this like this planet machine thing that I've found for years and I have it there just ready for an idea. You've given me a crystal before. I've got a lovely rose crystal of yours that you gave me, a round one, when you were in New York years ago. That's in my New York apartment, but um, full of energy. I should have brought it here, but I had, I had, um, I worked with Faye once. She very kindly gave me a, a bit of a freelance job for one night to work with her. They were doing the store in on Fifth Avenue. And I remember her giving me these thigh-high boots. We had to dress a mannequin, and I'd not really done that before. And I had these thigh-high boots that were just... The laces were unbelievable, Charlene. They were so long. And I think she... I think like at midnight, she went, oh, can you just lace those up? And I sat there on my knees thinking, oh, my God, how the hell... How long is this going to take? I mean, we were there all night anyway. But I think that was from... You were saying the elevator show. That was... That was Kate Moss. Yeah, that was Kate Moss's boots. 
actually but but you are such a such a perfectionist that you were like I was like just lace them up quickly and you were like no they have to be perfect Yes, of course. They're going in the window. Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a little bit uh, obsessive compulsive where it's got to be, the lines weren't, they've got to be matching the length of the slices. I literally go mad depending on what, how someone laces up a boot to shoe to, you know, whatever it is, they've got to be laced in a different way. A trainer's different from a brogue and you've got to lace them up two different ways. You know what, Faye, I bet you if she'd laced them up and they'd been twisted, you would have seen it and they'd have went, those, those laces that's what they would have made me do it again she would have only made me take it out the window and do it yeah fired I'm fired actually I have to say when um Faye used to work on the shows as well when Mark Jacobs was designing Louis Vuitton and I was very very lucky to stay when Faye was working in Paris she was resident she stayed and lived in Paris for a couple of years didn't you working for Louis Vuitton and seeing her do one of the most spectacular shows I've ever seen was a full-scale train and I remember being staying with her during the shows. And I'd come in the evening after the shows and Faye wouldn't be in or I'd hear the door click at two in the morning or four in the morning or something. And I remember coming to the show, Faye, that morning and I got such a, I got so emotional because I knew how much blood, sweat and tears had gone into making this the most spectacular catwalk show at the end of Fashion Week. I was so proud of you. I was so proud of you. Now that went on to somewhere else, didn't it, afterwards? That set, does that transfer to reproduce the show somewhere else but that one particular that one was amazing that you know that, that when you you know that you'll never have that moment again it was like that that like you were sitting in the show and the train pulled out and the steam came up and you just felt so proud of all the teams that all worked really hard to pull that together and it just was just perfect and um and mark and kate and all that were just super happy but you just got the goosebumps on your on your arm and then after that, they were basically, that was just before I turned 40, actually, because I remember it, because it was, I, we went, because they were doing a show and they were taking it to Shanghai. And so I was going to meetings and they were talking about shipping this train to to Shanghai. And I was like, well, what are you shipping it by boat? A train? Oh my God. So, and I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. So so basically, they were doing a, the show and a party. So basically, they were designing the party and the, the train show. So they shipped the, the train by boat. And then we decided to get the Trans-Siberian from Paris to Shanghai. And we basically, I'm so So basically, they were like, okay, it's not really, you can't really do stuff like this. So they were like, we need volunteers to do it. So Ansel and I volunteered and we went. We had the, it was amazing. And we had to take five press people and we were on a train for six days forward and we were filming out the window so that when we got there, we made the party where there was a tunnel and on the tunnel was train windows and we put the film on the windows. And it just because it, then it meant that there would be more depth to it storytelling is linked so you and I think that's the thing that's really important about what what we do is we'll really think about the detail and about how to make it more of an experience and more just more thoughtful and yeah the, and the Trans-Siberian was amazing. The thing is you can just hear that you absolutely love what you do and when someone loves what they do then everything goes into it it's you know it's not a job um, as much as we work hard and what we all do when you love what you do, it doesn't, it does never ever feels like a job. But that's what, when Charlene was saying that you collect things and you were talking about that, going to the markets and the vintage stores, 
you can tell you're passionate because your brain never switches off. It's always on. You're always looking for something. And it's always, what's that? Is that something that could help me six months, a year down the line? It's so exciting to hear. And I, I'm so, I'm really pleased we got to do this with you because I really, I was saying to you before, Fair, I want people to understand what you do and how difficult it is, but how creative and exciting it is. For example, with the Starburst, how, for the scale of that, I mean, do you do a prototype before several prototypes before to scale it onto the building beforehand because it's it's got to be right when it goes up Karina honestly it's really about the team that you have and that's something that I would stress a lot it's not a job you can do solo and it's 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 a real team effort and we've got people in the team like Ansel who I work with who's just he's just extraordinary and he's got a very design engineering like he's 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 a bit more realistic than me, right? Like sometimes I can just see us with him with his head in his hands, just like oh, no, 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 yeah. And I'm like, no, like we can do this, we could do this. Like what about this? But then we go to the team, and the ideas end up becoming something else. But yeah, it's it's really about the team that I've got around me and the community that we've built because our teams like are. Like they're really diverse. It's like a studio in London now, and it's Korean, English, Scottish, Italian, French, Hungarian, German. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's really really diverse and different cultures as well. Bringing all the different cultures into it creates so much diversity and makes things far more interesting. Yeah, it just it really does. It really makes things interesting, and, it, and this year's been quite challenging as year was with the whole Brexit situation and um, because like of visas and stuff so that's been a bit of a challenge as well but I think the diversity is really good in a creative studio. I think it's great you acknowledge the team as well but I think I've, I've seen your inst- obviously on your Instagram you always acknowledge them which is so nice you know to reward and acknowledge and, and pay respect to people working with you but some people don't. Well I think yeah, in my career I've, I've I think some of the most important lessons when you're developing your career is what you don't want to do when you end up to that. Yeah, exactly. So I've learned those lessons and I lis- I learned them really well. Um, so for me, it's really important that my team feel that they've got knowledge and they feel that they they're they're a really they're part of a community. So I'll always credit and I'll always try to kind of build the community. So when you're when you're doing when you're working on the windows, how much time do you have? It's it's just you've got to go through the night, don't you? Because I guess the shops, the stores have to reopen. Yeah, all nighters are okay. <laughs> Most people know all nighters for a different reason, Faye. <laughs> Listen, she's Scottish. She's a tough girl. She knows what she's doing. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh, I absolutely don't mind doing an all nighter because then you've got like really quiet streets and you can get stuff done. A lot of people are like, "Do you still go in windows?" And I'm like, the day I don't go in windows is the day I give up my career. I really don't mind getting my sleeves rolled up and getting in a window. It's like where I'm happy. So for me, it's really important that I'm kind of still hands-on and working with all my teams. Absolutely. I think as well, there'll be a lot of young people, people that will hear this that have probably never considered going into to this art form but and, and seeing it in a whole different light because, you know, it is massively creative and and I, I just hope that, that there's more people going to it from from hearing this well I think one of the things that I think attracts the more youthful like not even millennials anymore right it's gen z it's more about how is this but whenever I think about it it just blows my mind in my career 
so far just at Viton, our LVMH, and I've been there for 11 years in July. It will be, I've worked with Mark Jacobs, Raf Simmons, Kim Jones, Nicola Jesker, and Virgil Abloh. And it's not it's not a bad list, is it? <laughs> and it's been amazing. Working with Mark Jacobs is I mean, it blew my mind. And um, with him you get it got to you get to work with Katie Grams and you get to really experience a complete amazing part of the fashion world. But like working with Virgil, I mean I I thought what I did was really great. And then when my boyfriend's son, Ben, a few years ago and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna be working with like for I, I was I was instantly cool. Yeah, I've got a seventeen-year-old. It's like, like, yeah, Virgil did it. I am like, don't be talking about people in their first names. <laughs> no, but he's amazing, and he's been really brilliant because he showed us what collaboration is. I mean, he really does have that down to Oh my god, he's amazing at it. Like we've been, we've just been having so much fun, and I think that's something you can see in the work. You can see when you're not enjoying your work. I think if you're a window dresser, you can always be like, "Oh, that person's not really happy in the job," because you see it in their work. I mean, I've seen it with me in my past, where I'm like, "Oh my god, that's a really dodgy window you've just done." Hey, but I don't know. It's just like when you work with people that have a real collaborative spirit. And with Virgil, it's just been brilliant. We've been. We've been scanning all these different skater kids and different guys from all over the world and turning them into mannequins and sculptures and painting them all bright colours and putting them in new Bond Street windows. And really, we've been having loads of fun painting rainbow giant men and putting them on the side of Fifth Avenue stores and (laughs) painting stores orange. That's wild. Um, That no one thought you could do. I think that's something that if youngsters were to look at what careers to go into, it sometimes gets overlooked, the kind of window, um, the craft of windows. But with windows, you get to work with many different people and you have to work really closely with the CEO. and So you become a really kind of storyteller for those people and you have to take their vision and then translate it for, for Joe Public in the windows. It's like really good job that not a lot of people know about I don't think definitely I don't think so either and, and I just think going to say what a great I mean it's like having your own art gallery really you've got such this blank canvas every couple of months to do something in the stores and and it must be so rewarding when you do you ever go I'm sure you do when you look at your window and you just stand back on the street and watch people's reaction the public stopping and staring that must give you such such pride well I do it quite often actually like not a lot of my team on my team are like what are you doing standing outside like in the um, but I'll I'll kind of watch what people do because I, I really quite enjoy and, and I said at the beginning the window being a democratic space but I actually I, I, I don't mind when people like it or don't like it right I'm like at least I've had a reaction some people you'll get and they'll be like that's rubbish and some people will be like oh that's great and so I don't know you can you can kind of you can just gauge your audience and it's just good to see people smile and stuff and have you ever gone up to anyone and, go, and, and not said who you are or anything and just gone, do you like that? What do you think of that window? No, I'm not like you, Karina. <laughs> <laughs> I know, she's so nosy, isn't she? So nosy. I just don't get. I'm just, I'm, I'm like you, I've got a very, very curious mind. But you wouldn't have to say, I did that. But I would just, I would just be so curious what they they were thinking when they would see something, whether they liked it or not. You know, I'm too, I get too embarrassed to do that. I, I, I just kind of watch and I don't really... Observe. I just observe. 
Well, I hope everyone just enjoys this as much as we did. I love, this is so, I could honestly go on forever talking to you, Faye, because you're my friend and that obviously is a bit biased, but thank you so much for just giving us such an insight into what you do. It's amazing, honestly, it's been so enjoyable just chatting with you. It's been really, really fun. I'm impressed that your mum was a window dresser. Well, I honest to God, I just like, that's my mother away with the fairies because she would come in and... You know, I went to Glasgow School of Art before I went to hairdresser. Like, I was at Glasgow School of Art when I started at Urban Rusks. But I ended up at a job with Urban Rusks because I went past the window and saw they had a Pagliacci in the window. Oh my- Do you remember that window? That literally sucked me in and I was like, oh my God, they've got a Pagliacci, the sculpture of Pagliacci and they've got the Pagliacci sculpture in the window. How is that in Glasgow? That's in the V&A this week. That sculpture, because I went, I went up and I was going to do a talk at the V&A in Dundee. And I went up and I was like, no way, Irvin Rusk. I got my hair permed there when I was like 15. I probably did it. She probably did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started as a, got a stack of junior shows I could buy inks and stuff. But it's funny because the window has always been something that, that I grew up with because my mum would create that in our imagination while she was creating it in the living room. So she'd be like, right, you're doing these big paper flowers that my sister and I would get, you know, given a load of tissue and put all this together and, and there would just be hundreds of it in the living room. And I think that's my obsession with collections. When I saw that photograph of you all the cherries, because I love cherries, and all the different sizes of cherries, I was like, oh my God, that's my idea of heaven. I collect certain things and I collect them in mass because I love to look at things like that. And I think that's to do with my mum as a window dresser when she would create windows at Richards. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 like something that has always really resonated with me. And I, I've found myself, I will literally stand and look in a shop window for ages. I mean, as a kid, do you remember the Walrus and the Carpenter toy shop? Yes. I used to just stand and stare in that window for hours on end, literally look, looking all the little intricate bits of all the toys and the way they would make them interact with each other that just totally blew my mind. But I went to the V&A, right, in Dundee, and they had this whole exhibition on Scottish um, design, and it was where, where the Urban Rusk window was, right? But it was all, they had rigs, Goldbergs, all these windows that I actually forgot that was in my childhood. And then I was looking at them all, and, then I, and maybe I'm a bit biased with being Scottish and stuff, but growing up in Scotland, people did take pride in their windows dressing. You you would go round and look at all the windows, and when you looked at this exhibition at the V&A, it was all Glasgow windows. And then when I was looking at it, I was remembering them all, and I was like... I really want to go and see that. Oh, oh I want to see that. Is it over? Is it finished? Is it done? I don't know. But I went up and did a talk up at the V&A, and it was so, they were so nice. And it was, I took loads of photos, but it was all of the, the kind of, I don't know, all, all the windows in the 80s, and they were brilliant, like really, really good. But I think it might be a kind of a Glaswegian thing, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. It's funny because, you know, like even like Bus Stop, when Bus Stop used to be there and they would do all those amazing windows with all the Aussie Clark collections. I remember my mum taking me in there as a kid and she was buying new clothes, and the models, the, the shop mannequins were always, they were like really quite freaky their mannequins their mannequins look completely different from everybody else's mannequins and it's weird the things that stick in your head definitely you know shop windows are an unbelievable art form that 
I guess we're not even conscious of from a, on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, when you talk about the V&A, how much of an impact they really do have on our lives. Yeah, the street theatre. Absolutely. And you're probably doing that fate to young people, kids now having memories of, of your windows that hopefully years to come, they're going to go, oh, my God, do you remember that Starburst? Oh, my God, do you remember the circus windows and the installations? That's so incredible. That's so cool. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I think we're going to leave it here then, ladies. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Faye and her amazing but demanding job. Our next guest also has an amazing and demanding job, but I think many, many, many young girls around the world would be green with envy. Her profession is a professional makeup artist and one of her clients is Chanel. She's the brand ambassador for Chanel. So please tune in for our next guest. Coming up next is Kate Lee. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.